Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News podcast here on July 15th, 2018. Here is your host, Adam White. Yes, thanks, Eric. Uh, hello and welcome, everyone, to the Get French Football News show. I'm Adam White, and tonight I'm joined by Eric Devin and Jeremy Smith. We're going to look back at France's momentous 4-2 win over Croatia to become world champions in Moscow this evening. Huge congratulations to France, Didier Deschamps, and all his players and staff on a, what was a huge, uh, superb victory. Uh, Alice Leblanc. Uh, but before we do that, just a quick reminder to follow us on Twitter at GFFN and visit Get French Football News, sorry, GetFootballNewsFrance.com for all the reaction to France's World Cup win, as well as everything you could ever want to know about French football in general. So, chaps, let's uh, let's dive in. Um, probably the best final for 30 plus years, Eric. Um, France were probably a bit lucky to be two one up. Brilliant in the second half, I thought. Well, how do you react to the, to the game as a whole? More than lucky. Um, I, I thought that uh, that Pavard in particular was having a really difficult time. Uh, it, it looked like something was going to come from that that left Croatian side very quickly, and I, I think that you know, Loris didn't have a lot of difficult saves to make in that first twenty minutes or so, but certainly I think Croatia had the upper hand in the, in that first phase of play and and really throughout the match. Um, I think that we also had. I was watching the BBC feed. Uh, the, the commentators there were insistent that the, the penalty that was won in, um, to make it 2-1 was controversial. There was no intent in the handball there. Uh, so certainly it was a bit of the rub of the green for France. But, you know, say what you will, I think that the, the fight back that they showed to withstand that initial wave of Croatian pressure speaks volumes again to the maturity of this team continuing to grow and to the confidence and self-belief that Deschamps has instilled in them. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, that's, that was my overriding emotion as well, that they were resilient enough to, to overcome what was, although Croatia didn't create a vast amount of chances, they were certainly on top, and, and France didn't get forward much at all. Um, would you agree, Jez, with, with Eric's uh, assertions there? Yeah, I mean, the dream is that, that your team sort of wins the World Cup final, you know, playing champagne football from start to finish and dominating the other team. But I guess in reality, it's it's probably rarely like that. And I think you could argue that maybe the the youth of France's teams sort of really showed today. They some of them really looked nervous. Pava, I thought particularly, and actually, I thought it was it was quite a strange choice that sort of midway through the half, it seemed like Perisic moved to the other to the other wing because he was he was really running right against Pavar again sort of not helped by Mbappe not giving him much support um the, you know, the, the surprising ones are players like like um Kante who is a little bit more experienced not necessarily sort of on the international scene but as a footballer and you'd, you'd have thought he'd have um sort of started the match more confidently but you know across a seven seven match tournament you're gonna have matches where feel full of running where you feel like you're completely in control and others where um you're kind of a little bit behind the eight ball and it's how, how you react to, the, to those matches and as eric said as you know as, as sort of dominant certainly possession wise as 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 croatia were they didn't actually create that many clear-cut chances it caused a lot of havoc with crosses which again was a little bit of a surprise um but yeah Lor loris didn't have that many saves to make um so I, you know, I was in a, 
again, at yet a different, yet another way. There's been so many different ways that I think we've been impressed with France this tournament. But another one was that you know where they they really weren't necessarily comfortable um, in the way they have been in previous matches. They still managed to to sort of overcome it and um, show strength of character and still make the make the best use of the the few chances that came their way. Yeah, for sure. I think I think something that sort of sticks out there is the strength the strength of character for me. And I'm just wondering, Eric, is is that a is that something we can sort of praise Didier Deschamps for in, instilling? Is that is that down to him? Is because we've we've obviously all of us have sort of questioned various decisions he's made and the way he goes about managing the team in the build up to this tournament and throughout this tournament. But France have won the World Cup, and to 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 continue that seems a little bit obtuse, and I, and I feel like this is the way that his management management has played out. Okay, he might not be the most astute tactically. There's a there's a couple of examples that are huge caveats to that, but perhaps the way he's instilled this this resilience and strength of character is is his biggest achievement. What do you think? I think so. Yeah, I think that this is a manager who's instilled in these players that yes, you have talent, but much as he was as a player real success comes from application, from hard work. And I think that we've seen that mirrored throughout this tournament. I think that, you know, I, I look at that midfield. I mean, Blaise McTweedy is a great example of this. And he's a player who, you know, I didn't have a lot of time for. I, I wrote a piece in the wake of the Euros saying that McTweedy should never get called for France again. That seems very foolish at this point. I, th I think that's a player whose graft, whose industriousness has, has given a lot to this team, who's allowed that shape, that odd lopsided shape to be successful. You know, I think we've seen the same thing with Luca Hernandez and Benjamin Pavard, that not everything, you know, emphasizing to these fullbacks that not everything you are going to try is going to come off. And, you know, sometimes Varane gets caught out of position. Sometimes Mutiti gets caught out of position. They're not perfect, but by allowing them to have a slightly longer leash, I think, for example, in keeping with MTT over Kimpembe, even after TT had, you know, a couple mares in those friendlies and that, and that ghastly handball in the group stage, that in showing continued faith in these players, I think Deschamps has really instilled a sense of self-belief within the players, and, and that's allowed them to continue to grow, even within the space of this month over which the tournament's gone on. And I think, you know, again, tactically, yeah, he's made some mistakes. Even looking at that Australia match and how disastrous that Giroulis, uh lineup looks in, in hindsight, he's clearly learning from his mistakes and that pragmatism that I think Marcus career as a player has been really instilled into this team. That tournament football is not about, as as we really, as you know Jeremy said, champagne football. It's about it's about results, and France have got the results they have needed every single time throughout this tournament, and and that's a testament to Deschamps allowing these young players to develop in confidence and, you know, not to be fond of or prone to making mistakes, but to let them know that a mistake, even on a big stage, is not the end of the world and that they can learn from those mistakes and grow and continue to develop into a genuinely world-class set of players. Yeah, I think sure. that, um, Go on, Jess. Deschamps is, I mean, in France, they sort of, the two things he's known for is um, La Chata Deschamps, which is kind of that he's he's always had an amazing, amazing luck. And it's something that he finally sort of snapped and addressed this week in a press conference. And he sort of acknowledged, um, 
yeah, there have been moments in his career when he's been lucky, but he's always been always at the right place at the right time. And you look at his record as a player, it's almost unmatched. He's won everything there is to win. And as a coach, you know, all these people criticizing him as a poor coach. Remember he, okay, Juventus possibly were in a very good position to go up, but he, he took them up from Serie B to Serie A. He won Marseille their first title in 20 odd years. He took, um, uh, not particularly impressive on paper Monaco side to the Champions League final. This isn't some kind of novice coach who's only got the job because of, because he captained them to the World Cup. And, you know, c- comparisons with, um, certain other poor coaches in the World Cup, I think, has been ridiculously harsh all the way through. It's been this sort of narrative developed and a stick to beat him with. The fact is, he's a born winner. Um, and yes, the style of player that he was, um, you know, the famous water carrier quote, it wasn't the most, he wasn't the most exciting kind of player, but he was the kind of player that every single successful team in history, I think, had. You always need some kind of rugged ball mid winner in midfield and yes he's kind of carried that across as a coach but as Eric says he knows he's he's a winner he knows what what is needed to win what to do to win and he's found the perfect blend I think people are saying that he's negative the fact is that France were arguably outplayed today yet scored four goals the other against Belgium um you know all the Belgian players were quick to criticize that that France made no attempt to play at all. France had 19 shots to to Belgium's nine. So I think actually he's found the perfect blend. I think he knows that a lot of these players, particularly the attacking ones, are um, uh, sort of, they can show genius in flashes, but maybe they're not yet the, the sort of finished article in terms of tactics, in terms of being able to come back and defend and also attack, being able to be an attacking possession-based team all the way through. But he also knows that in players like Pogba and Griezmann, he's got, frankly, two geniuses in terms of transition, in terms of turning defence into attack really quickly. And I think he's played to the team's strengths. I know that there's loads of people who think that he's made um, a potentially amazingly exciting possession-based team into a relatively boring counter-attacking team. But I, I think a lot of these people don't know the players. That sounds patronising. They don't know the players as well as we do. They just see these very impressive names on paper and and think that Deschamps should just be letting them out there to, to run riot. It doesn't work like that. His job is to win the World Cup. It's not to please the neutrals. And he's been absolutely, totally vindicated in that. Yeah, for sure. I think I think that's it's very difficult to disagree with any of that. I would I would one hundred percent agree. And um, even though we we've questioned a few of the decisions he's made previously, you have to say that the balance he's managed to find, particularly in the last the last three games, has has really won won France's World Cup. I think from from his point of view, you know, focusing on, as it's pretty probably easier to focus on international teams and on their defence because you don't have as much time with the players and, and, and gendering an, a, a, count, a sort of a free-flowing attacking team that plays 30, 40, 50 games a season and like you're doing club football is, is very difficult because you, you just simply don't have the time and the time to get to know each other as individuals. So focusing on that defence um, and, and focusing on being solid and focusing on being <coughs> organised is, is what wins international tournaments for the most part. And from Deshaun's point of view, he, because he's got such great players and he's got the opportunity to to strike a balance between that that 
that defence and the fact that you know um, Mbappe and Griezmann and Pogba can can almost don't need too much direction. They 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 maybe Mbappe, but Griezmann and Pogba in particular, as you mentioned there, are, are experienced, genuinely world class players. That at this in this sort of situation where teams aren't perhaps like I said, but most sort of attacking so there's not much attacking cohesion perhaps as, as there is in club football that 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 individual talent can make the difference and that's where france have, have won won this tournament in the balance between between the two and um, so i think absolutely i would agree with everything is, you said there. this is one thing i want to jump in here on yeah go for it um the other thing i i, I want to mention is that Deschamps, i think his biggest achievement Obviously, the development of Hernandez and Pavard is beyond what anybody could have expected. But I think that the composure and the dedication that Pogba and Griezmann have played with this tournament is really the biggest feather in Deschamps' cap at this point. If you think about these players, where they are in their careers, you know, they're into their mid-20s. They, they're veterans of one World Cup. They've had a vast amount of experience, you know, reaching Champions League finals, playing at the very highest level. And for those two players to subsume their very manifest talent to fit within this team in terms of doing the dirty work, if you will, to work hard, to facilitate this young up and coming talent, killing Mbappe and allowing Mbappe to be the focal point of this attack. I think, I think that's incredible. That's simply, there aren't words for the, the achievement that that is in, in, in terms of Deschamps ability to reach Pogba and Griezmann to say, Look at this player. This is a once-in-a-generation player, and I, there's more to come from him clearly because of his age. But to instill the faith and the belief in Griezmann and Pogba that if you work hard and you allow this player to have this freedom, you're going to have success as a team. I mean, that's that's unprecedented. You know, perhaps if we look back at Pele in '58, that's a comparison for an unknown player bursting into the scene this way. Maybe Henri in '98, Michael Owen. But there aren't a lot of precedents for a manager showing showing these experienced players who are in the prime of their careers that you know take a step back let this player do his thing put in a little bit of work your Griezmann your if you press your Pogba you drop to support Pavard in midfield and to have that come off the way it has I think it's an incredible incredible achievement regardless of you know we talk about squad unity we talk about tactics that to me is Deschamps' biggest achievement at this tournament, especially, you know, given how, I mean, Griezmann obviously works hard for athletic in the debate, but we're not, we're not going to fool ourselves over that the way Simeone has that team play, but Paul Pogba is a player transformed in this tournament. And it's not a player who's, you know, a shell of himself and playing too negatively as perhaps he had done in year 2016. It's a player who's struck that balance so sweetly. And that really is a testament to Deschamps' ability to get that right. I know it's it's kind of um, a, a silly thing to say, but I think it's probably it's been just a silly that it's been what people have focused on for years. So it's as reasonable a sign as any that the fact that he sort of turned up at this tournament with a relatively conservative haircut or hair color, um, I think genuinely think sent a message right at the start that he was here to take it seriously. I think just before the World Cup, he did a press conference, which was... First of all, the fact that he did a press conference because he hasn't done one for, for years was was kind of a big thing. And although it was a kind of classic Pogba sort of joking, um, you know, pouting, that kind of thing, 
it was you know he he was clearly on good form he was feeling confident and suddenly the the stuff that he was saying before the world cup about how i'm going to be the best player in the world cup didn't seem so stupid but then also the you know all the stories coming out of the out, um out of the squads during during the tournament that often it was him who was doing the sort of final um team talk or pep talk before they went out onto the pitch or when they came back in and then the press conference that he gave this week which was um, you know, still him being being the star, but it wasn't all about him. It was about the team. It was about unity. It was about France. It was about winning the star. And um, I I don't know if it is Deschamps. I don't know if it's Pogba actually sort of, you know, stepping up and saying this is, you know, enough kind of showing off, enough of the sort of one match on, two matches off, whatever. This is my time. Or it was a bit of both, probably. But whatever it was, he's he's been absolutely transformed, definitely. And I think Griezmann as well. I think Griezmann is probably less of a surprise. But I I was thinking today, I mean, he's been criticised quite a bit during the tournament. And so obviously during the group stage, it was probably fair enough. And one day I'd, I'd love to know what they did with him because the whole time you were saying, you'll see, it's all I'm going to build up as the tournament progresses. And he absolutely has. Um, both in terms of fit, seems seemingly in terms of fitness, and certainly in terms of performance. But where people have been saying, or we expected more from him, he's still got four goals, um, a handful of assists. You know, presumably, for example, Pogba's today won't count as an assist, but it was basically him who kind of put Pogba in to have the shot that was that was blocked, and then the second shot. Um, he's and his playing much deeper than than usual he's always been the one as i said earlier who sort of controlled the transitions at the end of matches when they've had a lead to protect he's the one that's just been keeping his foot on the ball and slowing everything down and just stopping the other team from having the ball and i i think you know if anything it's actually been a really underrated world cup from griezmann Hugely, uh, I I couldn't I couldn't agree more there because he did I I thought he did look a bit tired to start with, but the last three games in particular, I think the thing that he picked up oh, there, Jez, is that he, he's played a lot deeper. He's, he's sort of, and as Eric said, you know, he's also him and Pogba seem to have adopted a little bit more of a sort of facilitatory role and allowed Mbappe to flourish, which has been a huge huge thing for France and a huge credit for to Deschamps for one convincing them both to do that and for two of them both of them to, for playing that role so well. I think the defining moment from from Griezmann's point of view is that he, well, for me, sort of the defining image for, of Griezmann is in that game against Argentina. He was waving Hernandez back. You know, they they were there to win. There's often a debate between in France between you know playing really well and and just playing to win, and and you can very rarely have both. And and France has gone with the latter, and it's and it's paid off. And I think huge huge credit to to Griezmann in particular, who was fantastic today and deservedly won the the man of the match. Award. Um, I want to focus on a number of other players too, but just just uh, so as a sort of a little interview, I would like to focus on some of the issues around in the game too. Uh, and we talked a little bit about the the fact that France are a little bit, a bit of fortunate to be to be two one up, um, and it, and it certainly could have gone a slightly different direction. The free kick for just very briefly, Eric, the free kick for uh, the own goal, Manzukutenko, which is pretty fortunate in itself, wasn't really a free kick, was it? <laughs> Uh, no, and, and again, I mentioned I was watching the BBC broadcast. I, I can't stand the American commentators, uh, even as a U.S. citizen. I'm I'm sorry, it's embarrassing. <laughs> that's, that's um, interesting. 
but yeah, I mean, that was that was definitely the consensus from Gary Lineker and company at, at the half, and I I fully agree. I fully agree. It was a specious foul at best. I, Griezmann, maybe there was some contact, but I think he went down a little bit too easily. I'm not accusing him of cheating, but you know, certainly making the most of that contact from, I believe it was Brozovic. Um, yeah, it's not something you necessarily want to see, but again, gamesmanship is part of this. I, I don't think it's as, it's, it's not an egregious dive. It's just making the most of it. Um, I mean, well done to Griezmann in that regard. Uh, yeah. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I, I, and just on the, the VAR uh, decision for the for the penalty, Jez, I I couldn't believe there was a debate over that penalty decision. I might I might be in a minority, but for, it, I, for me it was a pretty clear penalty. As soon as I saw the replay, I knew that was going to get given. What did you think? I I'm trying to think what I would think if I was on the other side for both of them. Um, for the free <laughs> kick, I thought from the um, when it happened, the the camera angle, I thought, yeah, he died. But then there are a couple of angles where I did think it looked like his back foot was taken away. And I agree he went down quite easily. He didn't need a second invitation. But, yeah, I think there was contact. And whereas, although contact does not mean a foul, um, you know, those kind of free kicks are given all the time. And no one would have said anything if it hadn't really led to the goal. And then for the penalty, again, I don't know how I'd feel if it was on the other side. But for me, his... His hand was in a strange position, and not only that, but it felt like there was sort of motion towards. Like as the ball came, he kind of slapped it down. So I, I didn't really have an issue with that. I, I can see why both of them are debatable, but the fact that they're both debatable and people are arguing the sauce over them um, shows that neither of them were completely unreasonable decisions. But if yeah, they have been to... in Croatian's favour, I'm not sure I'd be saying the same thing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think that that's always a very difficult, difficult balance to make. Is it if it was against you, how how you'd feel about it? I think for the for the penalty, I just sort of wanted to make a, a brief point on 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 that. I, I would agree with you in that. Okay, it, he's a little bit unsighted, but his hand is in a transmission and it does move towards the ball. And just a point on on the the, the exact wording of the rule. I mean, Gary Lineker can put his glasses on and look and read out the exact rules <laughs> as much as he likes. But, which that seems to happen on a regular basis, and say this deliberate thing, and he's right. You know, they're fine. That's fine. There is a the word deliberate does appear in the rule, but the football in general has gone in a different direction, and they can say deliberate as much as they want. The amount of penalty decisions that are given for handball, very few of them could be misconstrued or construed as deliberate. And there's clearly that clearly needs rewording because it, it literally is not the case. So they can say it doesn't look deliberate and it probably wasn't deliberate, but that isn't the rule, even though it's the stated rule. It's not the rule that the, that the whole of the world of football has been using for the last 10, 15 years. So for that reason alone, given that, although it might not be deliberate and you could argue that it, it was a harsh penalty, it was always going to get given because those penalties are given so often in every league around the world so i i just I, I that annoyed me when i when i saw him with his with his big glasses on at half time ready to read the word deliberate about eight times um so um i just wanted to, to highlight that um but even though even even though france probably pretty fortunate to be in in the lead uh half time two one i i felt like that they they, they thoroughly deserved the victory as discussed uh previously fourth goal uh killian mbappe I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna start um, saying the youngest player to score in a World Cup final for so many years. I know Pele scored at 17, so he's definitely not the youngest in total. But uh, a worthy winner of the uh, Young Player of the Tournament award, Eric. Was there any other contender really? Um, I mean, 
you know, I think you made a case for Pavard or Hernandez, but yeah. I think if you look at the impact that Mbappe's had, he's been decisive. He was decisive in the round of 16, clearly. I think you could make an argument he was decisive this afternoon. Uh, no, I, I think that stepping up and, and showing that individual flair, you know, at the, the very highest level of play, and there's, there's no argument to be made, you know, especially given his age, um, given the fact that playing on the right is, as we've seen from his time at PSG this season, not even necessarily a natural fit for him. And he's played on the left at Monaco. He's played as a striker there. He certainly struggled on the right, you know, coping with the movement of Neymar and and that team fitting itself together. And I think that, yeah, absolutely, it's deserving. I think I think this is a player who, you know, looks at looks worth every cent of that that uh, transfer fee that PSG have played have paid. You know, we'll see how that goes going forward. You know, with rumors swirling post World Cup now, but. Yeah, I don't think there's really another contender for that. I mean, it's certainly not going to be anybody in that Croatia side. Belgium, the same. I don't think there's any outfield players eligible for that. Courtois, 26. No, I, I, I think that's an easy decision to make. How about you, Jez? Um, Mbappe, it'd be interesting to see what you think Like success for Mbappe and his career w- amounts to because he's 19 and he scored and won a World Cup final. Um, okay, there's a lot to do at club level, but his, his ceiling is so high. What does what does Kylian Mbappe fulfilling his potential look like? Um, I think first of all, I I totally agree. I, I lots of people were saying he should he maybe should have got the golden ball. I disagree with that relatively strongly. I don't think he was that good and consistent all the way through. But yeah, I don't, I don't think anyone came close in terms of young young player of the World Cup. Um, in terms of potential, I mean, we've known it for a while now, but it's the sky's the limit. I mean, all the other sort of top players that you can think of at the moment are sort of in and around their 30s. Um, and there aren't any obvious global superstars that seem ready to take over. Um, I saw someone send an interesting tweet saying sort of after this season and certainly after this World Cup, the 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 amount that PSG played for Mbappe seems like a bargain, whereas the amount they played for um, Neymar seems like sort of daylight robbery on on Barcelona's part. Um, he's as long as he keeps his head on the ground. Um, there have been hints of arrogance creeping into into his game at PSG and for France, and the sort of a little bit of the play acting. I don't mind it if it's sort of clever game management but as long as it doesn't go too far he you know as a footballer he's he can be absolutely awesome i think he there isn't an obvious weakness he can do everything um in terms of um personality he's clearly got a great personality clearly likable um i heard on the radio today um, an english pundit saying that one of the very first times they saw him um, I think I think it was when France played England in a friendly last year. Um, they were in the in the mixed area, um, 
waiting to interview someone and they saw Mbappe go past and after doing his interview he then went and shook hands with every producer every cameraman every journalist there he's clearly just he's got his head screwed on he's got a good family behind him there's a great quote from his mum this week saying you know he's got he's 19 he's got an absolutely ridiculous amount of money he doesn't need it um we're making sure that he's giving all his bonus to charity um, so he, you know, he's he's got good people around him. As long as he doesn't sort of get a little bit too big for his boots and doesn't get, you know, a, a nasty entourage around him, which which can happen, and there's certainly been a lot of examples within the French squad in recent years. Really, the the the, the sky's the limit on and off the pitch. He should, he could, and should be the, you know, the next massive global footballing star genuinely for the next decade or so if he wants to be and stays fit well my question actually piggyback now that's both of you is again away from the world cup would he better serve leaving psg given the situation there with neymar adam yeah i i, I think this is a really interesting point because from my point of view moving to a psg for 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 mbappe was arguably a a, a mistake i mean I know that he's, you know, he's, he, 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 that was the move he wanted. He was a Paris, I, I believe he grew up in Paris and was a PSG Correct. fan, yeah, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, that makes sense from that point of view. But in terms of a footballing career, you've, I'd argue he's even a bit too big for PSG, or he potentially could be. I know that that, that was not something that PSG will come close to, you know, agreeing with at all. But I just feel that he needs to be a little bit more challenged on a regular basis at this stage of his career. And I, I think he, he made that move to, to PSG maybe a little bit too early. I would have liked to see him go to another another equally you know lofty club, but in, in, a, in a division where every week he's going to have uh, a serious challenge. And, and that is, uh, as much as it pays me to say it, that isn't the case for PSG in Liga, at least not this season. Okay, the season before it, it may be a little bit more true, but that generally wasn't the case this season and it won't be for, for some time. Monaco are rebuilding. Okay, Leon, Leon and Marseille look, look, look decent, but I don't know if they're going to challenge PSG. I, I think that could have been key for his development. And the second point is Neymar. I, I know it's a little bit harsh to, to level so much at Neymar's, at Neymar's feet, but I kind of feel like that there's, a, there's, a, there's an equivalency here between Neymar and the influence of, of him on, on Mbappe to Messi and Ronaldinho. And when Pep Guardiola you know, got rid of Ronaldinho at Barcelona because he felt like his sort of playboy lifestyle would affect the developing Lionel Messi. And I, I really feel like there's a potential for the, for the same case here. And, I, OK, you're absolutely right. The, the stories hearing, you hear about Mbappe being, you know, a, a top bloke and having his having his head screwed on and his family being extremely supportive and extremely, you know, wise as well in the same way, that's, that's huge. But there has been a few little instances of of what could be construed as Neymar's influence on him and, and, and a, a sense of, not arrogance, but as you said, a few instances where you could argue it was creeping in a little bit, that's sending off against Wren where he, he, he's straight his stars down the back of Trillestar's leg. And OK, he's 19 and he's going to make mistakes, but I just feel that there's a potential there if, he's, if he isn't kept his, his feet aren't kept on the ground by those around him, that that could potentially be be something that doesn't derail him, but does does have an effect on on his development as a as a as a man and and a, and a player, and, and that's something that none of us want to see. So, I think, arguably, he, he probably should leave PSG, and maybe shouldn't have gone there in the first place. I think he's because he's he's so young; he's got time on his hands. It's it kind of is the natural progression to, you know, move maybe to the biggest team in the biggest club in the country. Um, 
and then look look further afield. So I don't have too many concerns yet for the moment. Um, I, do, I I agree that um, I'm sort of <clears throat> more worried about the Neymar influence than than the sort of week in week out challenge. Um, you know the the kind of player he is. There's only a, going to be sort of two or three other clubs that that can afford him and that he'd be looking to go to. And um, at those clubs, he's not necessarily going to have um, that much competition in the domestic league. And it's all going to come down to to sort of internationals and to European competition. So I feel a little bit like it may as well be at PSG as much as anything else. And um, although there's the, the Neymar on one side is not necessarily a great influence, I suppose on the other side, he's, he's in Paris, he's in his home city, he's close to family and friends, and maybe they can sort of, if, if they're, if there is any risk of it happening, they can sort of keep his feet on the ground. So for another year or two, I'm not, I'm not too concerned with him being there. I suppose the other thing is, you know, if he was to go, say, to Real Madrid next season, he's only 19, that's, you know, pretty much the pinnacle. Does he stay there for the next 10, 15, 20 years? Um, so as long as he keeps progressing um, personally, then I, I don't worry too much about where he is. But yeah, the, the Neymar thing. I'm hope. I mean, the what? Not only the Neymar influence in terms of the arrogance and the diving and stuff. I also think the one thing that that held Mbappe back from improving even more last year as a player was he was almost deferential to Neymar, whether he was told to be or not. He just he really seemed starstruck and constantly wanted to give him the ball and. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping this World Cup will show him he doesn't need to do that. Effectively, he can be the number one player in that club now. I'm not saying that Neymar should be passing to him or letting Mbappe take every penalty now, but I'd like to see Mbappe sort of, you know, not not take not make it his team, but show that you know I'm at least an equal to you. I don't need to give you the ball every time I have it because I'm just as capable of doing something special with it as you are. And, you know, hopefully from this World Cup, he'll go on to to have an even more stellar season for, for PSG next year. But this is the crux of the issue, right? I mean, if you look at PSG, that's so frustrating to see because it's never going to happen. I mean, there's so much potential with PSG. You know, if they get a decent left back, you know, I think you've got in Marquinhos, Kempembe, and Mounier, very solid defense. I think in midfield, you know, that that's continuing to develop. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens with Rabio Verratti, but, you know, you've got some good youngsters there in Nkunku, uh, and Nkunku and Lo I think there's a lot to be had from this PSG team, but, you know, as long as Neymar is there, I just worry about his being, frankly, a poisonous influence on Mbappe. I think that Mbappe should show at this point that he, if he's made the focal point of an attack, the sky is the limit. I mean, we look at how Monaco achieved in winning Liga and getting the Champions League semifinal with, with Mbappe as the focal point of attack. Let's remember, at 26-17, Mbappe wasn't even a, a figure in that point. He was concussed. He didn't play for eight weeks, maybe. I don't think he was a regular until November or December. All of his achievements were in that season we're done down the back end of it and to win a league on title and to get to the champions league semifinals with that squad which i mean let's face it you know talented as they were had a lot of 
you know, serious flaws. I mean, a, a team with Jibril Sidibe at right back made the Champions League semifinals. You know, to say what you will, but that's a massive achievement. And a lot of that's down to the willingness of those players, of a Moutinho, of a Falcao, to subsume themselves to say, okay, let Mbappe have free run. It's the same thing that Griezmann and Pogba have done. They've recognized that. That's a chain that's continuing. I don't see that happening in PSG, and it's so frustrating to me to see that there might be another season, pardon me, ahead of Mbappe in his career where he could be poisoned, I think was the, maybe not the right word, but he could be unduly influenced by that cult of personality that is Neymar. And I, it's really frustrating to see that potentially happening again. I do wonder if I think Neymar has taken such a hit this World Cup. Apparently, even a lot of the Brazilian media and fans have turned against him. And you know, the fact is, Mbappe will be coming back with a with a World Cup winner's medal, and Neymar again won't. Um, so, I think possibly Neymar will still hold the balance of power, but I certainly don't think it will be to the same extent as last year. But yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that would be really interesting to see, won't it, as the league and season plays out, because I think deference was the word used to as chairs. And that was something that, to me, stuck out in every game almost, where he, Mbappe seemed to bend over backwards to give Neymar the ball, even in positions where he was in a better position to score. It, it was bizarre. Uh, hopefully, the shift in, in, I don't know, say reputations, but perhaps in perception of those two players over the course of this summer will mean that that won't continue um i i think with the phg point eric it seems this is this isn't a league and podcast but we, we you and me may have to have a, a few discussions over over that phg team uh, as we go into the new year i'm slightly worried that perhaps at the top level this phg team isn't quite as isn't all that to be to be to be quite frank uh, i'm not sure that the quality is is there but we can discuss that an, another time but it's a whole other pod probably um Four weeks. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's really not. It's really not a long time away, is it? Um, just one thing, final player before we sort of move on. I want to ca- compare this team to the '98 team at one point, and with a couple other things I want to look at. But Kante's performance today, uh, chaps. What, what do we think? He was removed after having been booked uh, for Nzonzi. A pretty, a pretty crucial substitution, though, Eric. What, 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 what? How did you see Kante and, and Nzonzi's game playing out? Well, there was a, there was a question over Kante's. Not fitness, but his his physical well-being against Australia. I think we saw that crop up again today. I think that if he's put under that amount of pressure and there isn't the level of diligence and focus from um, Tweedy and Pogba to support him, that, again, this player is nearly superhuman, but at the same time, if he doesn't have the level of support which he needs, things can go slightly awry. And I think that happened today. I think that we're just seeing a little bit of exhaustion from him after a long club season, Chelsea playing in the FA Cup and, and what have you, Champions League, you know, until they were eliminated by Barcelona. He's a little bit tired, and I don't think I would begrudge him that. I think that, you know, he was an outside shot for the Golden Ball um, before this match. I think he may, he should still be in the running. And I don't begrudge him that, but I think credit for Nzanzi. This is a player who was – really out of the France picture until the last year or so, and has really stepped up and shown his value, and I think he continue to add value going forward uh, to to this France side. I, I know that we're going to have, you know, Matweedy, you know, maybe he'll stick around for 2020, but I, I think that France needs to start thinking about moving forward, whether that's Awar, Ndombele, Luca Tussar, okay, I'm a Leon fan, but 
you know, show me a better France prospect in midfield and I'll agree with you. Um, I, I think there's going to be some change in this, in this midfield going forward. And I think that in that regard, you know, in Zanzi, in terms of offering that physicality and dynamism that he does, is going to continue to be valuable. You know, if Conte has the off match that France can adapt, that as long as he doesn't have the range of motion and and sort of bite to him that Conte does, but he still can be very, very effective sitting in front of that defense. I think it's um, to to Deschamps' credit that he, I mean, that was a pretty brave call with with all the fuss that everyone's been making about Conte, quite rightly, this World Cup to to take him off, but um. I he, I don't know what it was. He didn't look when he when he walked off. I don't know if it was just a surprise, but he didn't look right. I didn't think. Um, so I don't know if he was carrying something or it just happened. It was one of those matches where Croatia did sort of target him and kind of double team him. Um, you know, for whatever reason, he wasn't having a great match, and it was yeah, it was a really brave call by by Deschamps to take him off. And again, it was one it was one that worked out and. Um, Kante, I think, is a is a better player than than Nzonzi in the sense that he doesn't need to just be a centre now. He can, you know, really be box to box and break lines. Whereas Nzonzi, I think, is more just a, a sitter in front of the defence. But that was what was needed in today's game anyway. Um, and I think I thought he did that brilliantly. Um, I agree that for for Kante, it's a pity. It, it felt almost like all the a lot of France's golden ball candidates were sort of going out of their way to try to not win it. So Conte didn't have a great match. Loris, I think, until that that mistake for Croatia's second, I think he should have did, should have merited the um, golden gloves or whatever they call the goalkeepers' award. Um, Varane, I still thought was imperious, but had a couple of dodgy moments. Um, but you know, it, it's a pity that Conte's poor performance was during the World Cup final, but. He's. It's hard to pick any French player who, who hasn't at some point or another had a massive impact on this World Cup. But Conte, more than most, um, it's it's hard to think that they'd have reached the final without him playing in the way he has. Yeah, I I I, I agree. I I I think the thing that made me want to ask this question is that I looked at Lequipe's game ratings, which are obviously to be taken with a pinch of salt to some extent. But he got three out of ten, and they won the World Cup final. I just think that was a that was a, although he didn't have a great day, it just it struck me as a little bit harsh. But um, yeah, I, I was sort of thinking perhaps golden ball for this game as well, but uh, crucial, absolutely crucial, um, at least in the in the in the, the whole tournament. Um, so just finally a couple of questions, chaps. Jez, I was just going to ask you how how you feel this this team compares to the ninety ninety eight winning team. Um, um, Deschamps very integral in both, of course, but I mean, I mean, saying which one's better is probably a little bit facetious. But how how do you feel this team compares to that to that winning squad of nineteen ninety eight? I think if the if the two teams played together today, if you know what I mean, I think ninety eight would win. But um, I just think they're at very different stages in their careers. Ninety eight was a, a for the most part, an older, much more experienced team. Um, we've spoken before that um, they've got much more. They had much more leaders in their team. But I think um, this team has grown sort of in front of our eyes. I think they've just in this month. Obviously, they they've now got a World Cup winners' medals. They didn't have that a month ago. But I just think as a team, as individuals. 
um, certain players as leaders. I just think they've grown massively in the last month. And so I'd, I'd say for me at the moment, the France 98 team is better. But I think this this team or a lot of this team have got the potential to um, to, to go on to much bigger things. And, um, you know, obviously there's a lot of luck involved as well in, in winning more than one World Cup. But certainly they've got the potential to. And whereas 98, for a lot of them, it was their last chance. Um, possibly a few of the ones who went as far as 2002 shouldn't have done. Um, you know, Deschamps and Blanc retired straight, almost straight after Euro 2000, for example. Um, this, you know, most of this team, or certainly the, the most important elements will still be there in two years, possibly, probably in four years. Um, and, yeah, I just, uh, everything I said about Mbappe, I just think the potential of this team and with other players to come in, you know, the ones that Eric mentioned, Toussaint, Dombele, um, Aruwa as well, um, and players from other teams too, not just Lyon. Um, I mean, you know, this, the truth hurts. <laughs> um, I'm not complaining, and certainly those, all of the, those three all deserve it. But um, yeah, I think this is, that felt like, you know, sort of crowning glory. This feels like possibly the start of something. I wanted to ask very quickly um, for both Olivier Giroud is 32 this year. How, how does Didier Deschamps go about replacing him or should he persist with him going forward? Adam? I think, yeah, I think that's a, an interesting point because it was occurred to me during the final as well, sort of what happens when Giroud is, is sort of past it. And I think the, the obvious, well, the obvious, the obvious solution for me is that Mbappe becomes a central striker. But the only thing is that he's not obviously not the same type of player as Olivier Giroud. And Olivier Giroud has, although has his flaws, has, has, is huge for the balance of this team. And speaking from an English point of view, there were, you know, Raheem Sterling and Deli Ali were criticised quite a lot in, in this World Cup. But for me, they had to play every game because they were crucial for the balance of the team. And if you took them out, there was no one that could replace them. And you could argue there's a similar situation with Giroud. I don't know if there's a similar type of player necessarily coming through to the same standard that could replace him anytime soon. And it would facilitate if Mbappe does take that role, a change in formation and a slight change in in sort of, in, in sort of tactical setup, um, which, as if if we're talking in the in the medium term, hasn't worked for France without Giroud. You know, although Mbappe is still very young and he's developing, and that could change. That that Giroudless team has been less effective than a team with Giroud in it. So I, I'm not sure who that player is that replaces him, but you would hope that Mbappe becomes a central striker and, and is able to sort of lead the line and have the presence that we all expect him to have. Just a, a very quick point on Mbappe that I, I forgot to mention. I, I think he's more akin to Brazil, the Brazil's Ronaldo. And, and if, if, he, if, if he sort of could fulfil similar sort of space in, in this team as that, that Ronaldo did for Brazil in 1998-2002, then that would obviously be perfect. Obviously, that's a very high watermark, high standard, but... That would be my my guess, but we'll, we'll have to see how it, how it plays out. I, I pretty much agree with that. I mean, I, I, in a way, I hope that that Giroud retires now. I think the stick that he's got over years now has just been obscene. I think even in this World Cup, of course, he's been he hasn't had you know he had a couple of poor touches today and against Belgium as well. But I just think as a team player, he's been absolutely superb. Um, and uh, I do wonder if he'll just say, you know what, 
I'm the fourth leading scorer of all time for my country and I've got a World Cup winner's medal. I don't think there's anything more for me to achieve for France. And if, if he leaves, then, yeah, I mean, the, the two obvious ones are either Mbappe into the middle or maybe Lacazette. And I think both of them are capable of doing the Giroud role of, of holding the ball up but and obviously also being um, more able to, to make things happen by themselves with the ball at their feet. So um, it probably would need a slight change of formation, but um, I certainly don't think it would be the end of the world. The other question is who would be picking that formation? Because, um, I mean, if, if I was Deschamps, I would, I would quit while I was ahead as well. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. Whether well, we saw this with Zidane, didn't we? With Real Madrid, you know, he sort of achieved what he was going to achieve, and and sort of retired, and and well, not retired, but quit while he was ahead. It'd be interesting to see if if in three days' time we have a similar Deschamps situation. I don't think we will, but it's certainly a possibility. It'd be interesting to see how that I plays thought, out. I thought he would. I've changed my mind since. I've got a feeling he wants to carry on. I just mm. I feel like you know going back again to the '98 team. The '98 team was won the World Cup in a similar way. It was generally a sort of a pretty defensive team. Um, And then once they'd won that and, you know, the players like Trezeguet and Ori um, getting more experience, that kind of thing, then 2000 and Zidane at that absolute peak, um, 2000 was a fantastic attacking team. Um, You know, I think Deschamps can sort of justify... um, all the criticism that he's received by saying, look, I've won the World Cup. It doesn't matter. I did it this way, but I still won it. Possibly now that he's won it, maybe it will be even harder for him to justify it. So, um, and again, with maybe it's a, a similar situation. Now he should have to make it a, a more, and it will be a similar sort of from many years ago. Yeah, I think the future of this team is very interesting to see see how it's going to be. There's so much young talent coming up. I mean, you know, as an aside, the under-19 European Championships start tomorrow, um, and we've you know got a lot of younger players and Nicola Casa uh, from Montpellier, um, Malang Sar from Nice. Uh, the Leon attackers, Aguirre and Maulita. <laughs> There's a lot to. <laughs> Am I getting a chuckle there? Hey, come on! I'm tr- I'm trying. I'm trying to be. I don't know. Everything you'd mentioned. Um, but again, you know, we saw the under 19 Euros two years ago provide, you know, Mbappe a springboard into the spotlight, and I think that we could see something similar. I continue to work its way through the level of, of French talent that's under the age of 25. You know, that back line is all 25 years or younger, for example, is I, I really have to say it's unprecedented in the history of world football, how much depth and talent there is for, for France in these younger age groups coming through. It's really, really incredible. I think that, you know, it's going to be a challenge to strike the balance, right? Whoever the manager is, whether it be Deschamps or someone else, but it's as as I think you both rightly said. It's the beginning of something, not the not not the end. Even though Giroud and Matuidi and Loris as well are a little bit older. Indeed, um, brilliant stuff. Just finally, chaps, um, I wanted to sort of talk about the sort of the broad implications of this World Cup win. You know, the the nineteen ninety eight team, as we discussed previously, 
you know, was a was a unifying force for for French for the French for French society really. And it'd be interesting to see Eric your your sort of your take on the the more sort of social responsibility of this team now now that they now they've won this World Cup. Yeah, I, we were mentioning this before we started recording. I think we look at the political leanings not to be too too on a soapbox here, but we look at the way that Desai com, uh, campaigned against uh, Le Pen in 2002. We look at the way Theron has spoken out on many occasions uh, in the wake of the French riots in 2005, in in pro-equality in terms of marriage in 2013, I believe. Uh, these players, those players, those two in particular have been very forthright about how equality and seeing and seeing immigrants as people it, within France are are the way forward. We, that that the idea of you know black blue Blair or black blanc Blair in two thousand or sorry nineteen ninety eight was so important that it oh it's a way of unifying France and driving it forward. But the fact of the matter is you know we see Desai and, and Thuram as these uh, ideals of, of humanitarianism, but there hasn't been that level of consistency in terms of the way that the French population in general. I mean, the fact that um, Marine Le Pen was a, the candidate against Macron in 2017, that's a problem. That's a problem with the person with these leanings is a genuinely is a genuinely considered candidate for president in this country, given the way that immigrants have influenced France. And I think that, you know, rather than doing a shampoo commercial, that Antoine Griezmann and the rest of these players need to think about, yes, they've done it on the pitch, but now they need to do it off the pitch. And they need to think about the way that Thuram, the Desai are respected to this point for their principled stands in terms of this, as well as what they've achieved on the pitch. And I think that, you know, we see Mendy doing, and Macron and Bagba doing dabs, that's great. But, you know, these players need to support Macron in the, in the way that he looks to lead this country forward with an underlying theme of unity. Um, we haven't really seen that, and, I, and again, even looking at the, that 2010 World Cup, how things had gone sour, there was still a lot of very disturbing commentary in the wake of that tournament. You know, subtle language used to undercut these players, oh, they're from the banlieues, or they're from, they're, you know, their heart's not with France, they're playing here because they're talent. And these are all meant to undercut the idea of immig immigrants being integral and important part of a society going forward. And, it's it's frustrating for me to see, and but I think where these players are right now, with you know the eyes of the nation upon them, you know a few well placed statements, nothing too controversial, but that can be really important for situations improving in France because tensions in France are still very high. We look at the Bataclan attack. We look at the 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 uh, the, the truck in Nice. If, you know there are still a lot of very unsettled situations in France. Uh, the immigrants to the refugees situation in Calais, Calais, like there's still a lot going on that France needs to work towards and strive towards in terms of achieving, you know, a higher sense of unity, and and to really take in what Macron is is embracing in, in in these in these last in this last year and a half since he's been elected, and I think these players could really make a difference right now. So let's see how they react to this. I f I feel um, and this is. I mean, it's something that that's always been a debate for for time immemorial um, with all sports. And you know, there's the famous Charles Barkley quote. He says, "I'm not a sport. I'm a role model. I'm 
I'm a sportsman. I'm not a role model. I've never asked to be a role model. And it's up to people whether they choose to sort of take a lead from me. But that's not, you know, that's not what I'm all about. And um, I can't, I've never been able to decide whether sportsmen do have more of a responsibility and should do more or not. Um, I think, again, that the France 98 team um, leading up to the World Cup, I'm not sure how many of them were particularly um, active in anything. Certainly players like Turam were particularly have always been um, quite politicised and um, I guess just deeper thinkers that, than others. Um, but certainly after the World Cup, there was, after that World Cup, for the next summer or two, it seemed that every other week each each player was, was arranging some kind of um, testimonial match or charity match for one charity or another. There was also like um, Caron Burr, who was, you know, very big on the, um, the rights of the New Caledonians and um, Pires and his wife started a charity in, in honor of a, a particular girl who I think lost, I can't remember what illness she had, but sadly she, she died actually a couple of years ago, um, quite young. So that they, they did all get involved afterwards. And, you know, a cynic would say possibly it's their agent saying that, that they should be doing this quite publicly as well. I don't know. But I think that um, there's, you know the the ninety eight thing the um, blanc black burr was was a massive a massive thing at the time and it's kind of always associated with that ninety eight team. I feel like certainly the the team at the moment. I think I read I think I heard today that seventeen of the twenty three could have played for another country, um, which actually Igor Stimac, the former Croatian player, has used against France. But I think certainly is a plus, and um, I certainly think that it's something that maybe political commentators should look at and, and you know try to use as a, as a positive um, to try to work towards unity in France. I'm not entirely, I, like I said, I'm undecided whether the players themselves should be doing uh, doing anything in particular to, to push that agenda. And again, I think that they're, they're very young. They're a lot younger again than the, than the 98 teams. So, you know, it's maybe a lot to, to put on certain shoulders there to, to have that kind of responsibility. But certainly I wouldn't be averse to, to, to them using their sort of exposure and the, the fact that you know, they are, they are loved by their country for good in terms of that advertising and the, the shampoo and everything. So, you know, that certainly the, the, the 98 team did a hell of a lot of that as well. But I, yeah, you could say it was balanced out by, by the other stuff. Um, I guess, yeah, it, it remains to be seen, but certainly players like Pogba and Griezmann, they've got the personality and now the, the sort of public opinion on their side that if they wanted to, they certainly could, could use all of that as a sort of force for good. But as I said, for me, I'm not a hundred percent decided whether, whether that should be their role and whether you should necessarily expect that of them. I can't decide. Indeed. Um, really interesting point to finish on chaps. Um, I'm glad we had such an interesting discussion over the, both football and, and social aspects of this World Cup win. Either way, it's certainly a, a, a huge moment for France, not just as a footballing nation, but as a nation in, in, in general. So, um, I thought, as I said, I think that's about all we've got time for this evening. Uh, huge congratulations once again to Les Bleus and Didier Deschamps and all his players and his staff. It was an absolutely fantastic job to, to, go, and, to go to Russia, uh, perhaps maybe even against expectations and, 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 and win the World Cup. It was a fantastic day and a fantastic performance today in particular. So my thanks to Eric Devin, 
uh, and Jeremy Smith. And thanks for following GFFN over the course of the World Cup. We hope you enjoyed all of our coverage. Remember, check out Twitter at GFFN and get footballnewsfrance.com for all the latest on French football as a whole. Thank you and, uh, and good night. Allez le bleu.